Well, good morning, Central Bible Church. My name is Doug. I'm a director here at Central. I'm the uh, other bold pastel sweater wearing uh, pastor, but I- I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you all this morning to uh, to gather and to worship with one another, and I'm excited to get to dive into God's Word because we get to tackle something today that not only am I very passionate about, but it's something that really resonates deep in- into the very fiber of, of who we are created to be. And it's something that more than ever we are struggling with, and that is the idea of community, the identity of biblical community. You see, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, pre-2020, before quarantines, before six feet apart, loneliness and social isolation were so prevalent across the United States, Europe, and China that experts described the situation as a behavioral epidemic. As it has obviously only worsened over the past two years, people are struggling. There are people in this room today, there are people who are going to be tuning in online who are hurting. It could be relationship issues, physical loss, job instability, financial struggles, just a general overwhelming sense of anxiety or depression. We are struggling and guys if that is you today before we even get started I want you to look at me right now you are not alone you are not alone we have a God who not only loves you but he has paved a way for us to be in community with one another. God has been using community since the first century church and he continues to use it today. Go ahead and you if you would and open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. To the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you're a guest with us, we have some blue Bibles in the back. Uh, those, that, those are our g- gift to you. We encourage you to grab one. Uh, if you're going to be on your phones, uh, the ESV translation is what I'm going to be reading out of today. And, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And what Paul is doing here, he, he is writing a letter uh, to the church of Ephesus. And, and in this section, he, he's describing to them, he is reminding them what the circumstances used to be like for them as a Gentile nation. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Verse 11, it reads, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Separated, no hope, without God. We see, we see two, two sides. We see the circumcised versus the uncircumcised. And I know in, in today's modern world, that, that seems like two very strange names for a team, two different team names. But what he is doing is he is referencing a fierce rivalry, a fierce rivalry between Jew and Gentile, 
that has been ongoing since God's covenant with Israel and Abraham way back in the book of Genesis. See, when God established the covenant with Abraham, he commanded him to circumcise every male in his household, including slaves, as a sign of that covenant. Jewish law actually required parents to have their baby boys circumcised at eight days old. Circumcision was a physical mark that designated Jewish, the Jewish nation as set apart for God. And the Jewish people, when they say, hey, we're the circumcision, what they're saying is is that they're reminding you that they are God's chosen people. They had the religious upper hand. They had the cultural superiority. They had the racial distinction, not the despicable Gentiles. As one author put it, the enmity between Jew and Gentile was the greatest racial and religious difference the world had ever known. And not only were the Gentiles despised, but says they were aliens with no hope and no God. The phrase alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, it really speaks to the implication of being excluded from living the life of a true citizen. Citizenship, something that would have really resonated with the culture of the time. And, and, and Paul, he's not necessarily talking about a physical citizenship, but he is saying you were not a citizen of God's. You had no hope because you knew no true God. And yes, when Paul was writing this letter, he, he was reminding the church, church of Ephesus where they came from. But as we read this today, he is reminding us where we come from. See, at, at one time, we were all separated from Christ. I was lost. I, I had no hope. I was not a part of a biblical, a gospel community. And I want to challenge us with that today because if, if we remember where we came from, if we remember how desperate we were or, or maybe how desperate we are right now, it is going to completely shift everything. It is going to shift the way we live. It is going to shift our gratitude towards God. It's going to shift the way that we love other people. And it also ought to shift the way that we read this next verse. But now. Verse 13. Highlight it, underline it, circles, stars, arrows, whatever you got to do. Because those two little words, but now, kick off some very big news. But now. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you who were once lost, you who once had no hope, you who were once far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. See, when our God came to this earth fully God, fully divine, yet fully man, when he came and lived perfectly, when he was betrayed and arrested and beaten and taken to the cross to bear the weight of all of humanity's sin, when he did that for you, when he did that for me, he rescued us. He rescued us from that place of lostness. 
We have found our hope. We have been drawn in close to God. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ's atoning work on the cross, then you have been given the assurance that you will never be alone again. And I pray that that message never gets old in our life. Because not only is there a vertical connection now through the Holy Spirit to God, but there is also a horizontal purpose to Christ's death. Through the cross, we are not only reconciled to God, but to each other. And that is where we get this idea, this identity of biblical community. See, in the New Testament, there were no Lone Ranger Christians. Believers needed each other, and God expected them to be there for each other. Likewise, it's understood that we need each other, and God expects us to be there for each other. God has ordained that we play a vital part in each other's walk of faith. And and these truths are littered all throughout Scripture. We don't have time to flip in your Bibles, but maybe write these verses down. Hebrews 10.25, it commands us not to give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, He was considered the world's wisest man. He wrote, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. Psalm 133, 1, one of my all-time favorite psalms. It's so simple but so beautiful. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. God has a purpose for putting us together. God's plans haven't changed. He still desires to use his church to do powerful things in and amongst each other's lives. I'm going to I'm going to take a step back for a minute. And I'm going to be real, I'm going to be honest. We live in a time today where it is hard to see compatibility. It is hard to imagine being in community. We, we have been conditioned to say, they are different than us. How, how could we love them? Now, we, we live in a time where we see very clearly Republican or Democrat, vaccine or anti-vaxxer. Put on your mask. How dare you try to tell me what to do? Guys, jump on social media for five minutes. Log on to Facebook. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see an argument. You're going to see ignorance. You're going to see sin. I guarantee it. You you, you wonder why people feel so isolated? You wonder why people feel so alone? It is because we've allowed Satan a foothold in our communities. We've allowed his whispers to become yells that say we are better off on our own. Look at them. They're different than us. Don't have anything to do with them. You are better off by yourself and so are they. Guys, the the teen suicide rate has gone up 60% over the last decade. It should break your heart 
that there are young people who feel lost, who feel isolated, who feel alone, who feel like there is no hope because they are being lied to. Satan is a deceiver. We are a people made in the image of God, and that image is a part of community. Just like God has always been his th- in his three-in-one state, he has always been a part of community. As this passage, as this passage continues, we, we get to see the truth. We get to see the fruits of the labor that were bore by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Start back with me in verse 14. Verse 14 reads, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Christ is our peace. Christ destroyed the wall. And notice, he did not turn Gentile into Jew. He did not take Jew and turn them into a Gentile. No, it says, what did he do? He took the two and he made one, making one new man. One new man, and that one new man is the capital C Church, the body of believers. Galatians 3.28, Peyton read it for us this morning. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.11, it states, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Are you guys seeing the big picture? Do you understand the importance of this? Discrimination, bigotry, mask or no mask, liberal or conservative, every form of strife between man has been answered and defeated by the cross. In Christ, there are no dividing lines between races, cultures, genders, or nationalities. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, we are all citizens of the household of the Lord. And that title, with that title comes responsibility. Like any healthy household or family, we all have a role to play. You know, in my house, you know, Peyton and I each have our own very distinct roles and responsibilities. And some of these uh, we studied in premarital counseling and we feel that they're they're biblical mandates and they're something we've been very intentional about uh, implementing into our marriage these last six, six and a half years. And and other ones are just um, organically kind of developed based off of our personalities and our needs. And Elijah, he, he turned four this past week. Oh my goodness. 
feel like I'm starting to get old. Uh, he is reaching an age where, where he's starting to understand this idea of, of roles and responsibilities. And, you know, he knows after dinner, okay, I take my dishes and I take them to the sink or the dishwasher. Or he knows, hey, before we eat, make sure Snickers our dog, that he gets food. And, and usually, let's be honest, when you ask a four-year-old to do some chores, you have to go back and redo those chores. But it, that's okay because it's important he starts to understand this, this idea of responsibility and roles and we have very clear roles as a community of believers as well and I want to highlight a few of them this morning and I want to make it clear this is not an exhaustive list this is not a here's boxes to check in any sort of legalistic way to earn God's favor that's not what this is but but these are something that we have been very diligently prayed through and these are the, the visions and the goals and um, really kind of the layout for what we want our community groups to be, our small group discipleship, our biblical community. And the first thing is we want our community to be God-driven. Our community should be God-driven. If God is the reason that we can even have community amongst each other in the first place, we best save him a spot at the head of the table. There must be an emphasis on reading and studying the Bible together, sharpening one another in God's word, praying with and for each other. Guys, Central is a church of prayer. We are going to pray for one another. We believe in the power of prayer. And I will be the first to raise my hand and say that there's been a season of life where praying out loud makes me uh, legitimately anxious. And I'm going to encourage all of us that, that we work through that because it's not about me. It's not about what other people might be thinking about uh, when, when, when I say certain things. It is about being real and being raw and in love with our God. Pray boldly. Pray constantly. Pray with and for each other. Second, as a community, we should be relationally transforming. As our hearts begin to align with God's growth and relationships will take place. Fellowship together. Eat together. Be that foundation for one another. I was reading a book just a few weeks ago and it started talking about sequoia trees. I don't know if anyone in here is familiar with sequoias, sequoia trees. They, they are considered the world's largest living organism. Some grow as tall as 250 feet in the air. Those, those adult saplings, they go clear back nearly 1,500 years. Just a few decades from the fall of the Roman Empire. You want to know what their secret to success is? How they have withstood all the storms of life? These trees, they're taller than the Statue of Liberty. Their root system, four feet deep. Four feet deep. No, they don't grow down. Their root systems grow out. They grow out and they intermingle and intertwine with all of the trees around it. They are strengthened by the other trees. They are transformed by the other trees. They rely on them. No sequoia grows alone. 
and the connection to our spiritual walk should be obvious. Care for each other. Be the people we can lean on and grow through. There should never be a person that walks through our doors on Sunday morning that has a physical need that they cannot meet. That is our job as the church to fill that void. Third, as a community, we should be gospel reflecting. Larry kicked off the new year for us last week with, a, with our vision for, for 2022. Romans 1.16, we are not ashamed of the gospel, and you can bet we won't be. We are going to verbally declare the truths of Scripture every Sunday morning right here on this stage. But we are also going to challenge each and every single one of you, myself included, to live it out every other day of the week too. Outward expression by acts of service or simply by being available can have an eternal impact on unreached lives. As I said, no one should walk through these doors on Sunday morning that has a need that they can't meet. Well, well guess what? Walk out the front door, look left, look right, look straight. You're going to find somebody. Somebody who has a physical need that they cannot meet. What an amazing opportunity we have to create disciples by simply being involved in the community that God has called us to. Finally, we are called to invest in individual lives. Take a moment this week, a little homework for you. I want you to write down the name of the man or woman who has poured into your life spiritually. I hope everyone here has at least one. Then underneath that name, I want you to write down the name of who you are pouring into spiritually. You see, it doesn't matter our walk of life, our age, or demographic. We all have a responsibility to be there for another, to raise up future leaders, to walk alongside, to pour into their lives, and to spur them to holiness. And guys, none of this is easy. It isn't. In our flesh, in our, in our sinful state, in our fallen nature, being in community with one another can be hard. But it is worth it. It is worth it to let our roots grow amongst each other. It is rooted, worth it to, to, to stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone together. So we can withstand all the storms of life. And our God, He has made it all possible. Through the work of our crucified and risen Savior, we are reconciled to Him and we are reconciled to one another. Let's pray.